When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. With so many myths and misconceptions out there about breastfeeding, how's a new mom or even a seasoned mom to know what is evidence-based breastfeeding information or just completely misguided fabrication? Today we begin our new series, Breastfeeding Myths and Misconceptions, with this episode focusing on infants. Since this is one of my favorite topics, I will actually be your expert for this series because I just couldn't pass it up. This is The Boob Group, episode 68. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to the Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Boob Group Club. Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter for a chance to win a membership to our club each month. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free app available in the Android Marketplace and iTunes App Store. We also have a new program today that we're launching called our Virtual Panelists. Throughout the month, we will be posting on Facebook and Twitter information about upcoming episode topics and a little bit about our featured experts. This is a great way for you to post your questions you would like to ask our experts, and we will do everything we can to incorporate them into the show. And I have to say, actually, this show grew out of all of the questions that all of you had, so which is super awesome. Um, so on our recording day, our producer, MJ Fisher, will be tweeting about our episodes as we are recording, which will allow you to engage in the conversation, learn some awesome tidbits about the topic even before the episode is released, post some extra questions for our expert, and share your experience with our audience. All you have to do is follow our hashtag, the Boob Group VP, which stands for Virtual Panelist, and join in the conversation. So MJ, you want to share a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Anyone can be a part of our show. You don't have to be in the studio. We're tweeting and posting on Facebook Live, um, giving you guys info about the topic that we're talking about and questions for you guys to answer so that you can be a part of the show. So if you can't make it in, you can still be a part of it and share your story. Wonderful. Thanks, MJ. And we're also joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Katie. I'm 31 years old. I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom, and I work part-time at a domestic violence shelter. I have two kids. My son, Logan, is two. My daughter, Arwen, is uh, two months. Wonderful. Thank you. And Heather? 
Uh, I'm Heather. I'm 27. I work in education for an online high school. I have one son, Lucas, who is two months, and he's here in studio. You'll probably hear him. (laughs) And Molly. And I'm Molly. I'm 32. Um, I'm a teacher, but currently a stay-at-home mom. I have two girls. Uh, Abigail is two, and Riley is uh, four months, and she's with me in studio as well. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, ladies. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. So here is a fantastic question from one of our listeners. This is from Elizabeth Kiefner. And her question is, um, I have a question about breast tissue growth. When you are pregnant, you grow extra breast and glandular tissue. After I weaned my first baby, my breasts seemed to get a bit smaller. Not as small as pre-pregnancy, though. I am pregnant again, and my breasts are now tender and seem to be growing. When you are in between pregnancies and breastfeeding, do you lose breast tissue that needs to be regrown, or is it just additional tissue grown? Why would your breast decrease in size? Thanks. Hi, Boob Group listeners. This is Veronica Tingzon. I am an IBCLC, and I am the owner of the Original Comfort Food Lactation Services in San Diego, California, and I'm also one of the guest experts on the Boob Group. So, Elizabeth, imagine your breast as being a vase, and the vase is full of little pebbles. And then you pour the water into the pebbles, and all the, face, all the spaces are filled in the vase. Um, that is what your lactating breast is like. It is uh, filled with mammary glands, and then once there's actually milk in there, it burgeons a little bit more because all of the little crevices are filled with that actual milk that's being made in those mammary glands. However, when you've weaned and the breasts are not lactating anymore, it's like as if you would have poured out the water from the vase and only the pebbles remain. Um, It's not the greatest visual because obviously the vase is a fixed um, figure and so that never deflates. But because our breasts are soft and malleable, they kind of deflate as the milk starts to dry up. And then as you start becoming pregnant again and the breast milk ducts start becoming alive again, they start burgeoning with the production of new milk for your new baby. And so it's like waking up those mammary glands again and they're fuller now. And so now the vase with the pebbles, now have some more water in it. I hope that answers your question, Elizabeth. Um, They decrease in size during pregnancies simply because you're just letting all the milk out. Um, Well, good luck with your new pregnancy, and I hope your breastfeeding experience is wonderful. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, today on The Boo Group, we're discussing infant breastfeeding myths and misconceptions. For the past week, we have been collecting all of the misinformation and bad advice you have received since you started breastfeeding and possibly even before. Let's just say the list was quite staggering. So much so that we decided to make this into a series since we could not even fit them all into one episode. So we're going to try to get to several of your myths today, but let's just say there'll be at least two or three more episodes unless you keep writing in more and we'll just keep on adding them. So if you have a breastfeeding myth or misconception you would like us to bust, please post it on our Facebook page or through Twitter and we will add it to our ongoing list. So here's our myth number one we're going to try to bust. You should rough up your nipples with a face cloth before your baby's born to toughen them up before breastfeeding. Ladies, did you hear this at all from anyone? I heard it constantly from my mom. (laughs) Constantly. (laughs) She did it with us. She swears that it works. So the roughing up, um, my mother-in-law told me multiple times that that's why I had breastfeeding struggles in the beginning is because I had not toughened them up. So, but actually La Leche League came out, um, gosh, in a couple, like almost a decade ago saying roughing up the nipples by rubbing them with a towel is no longer recommended. So actually it was a recommended thing for all of us for our parents' generation. Um, And it has been found that doing so can remove the protective substances produced by the breast during pregnancy and afterwards. So instead, you might want to try some gentle breast massage to get the the breasts, you know, moving the way that they need to, but definitely not roughing up the nipples. All right, that's number one busted. Number two, when babies lose weight in the first week, it means mom's milk supply is low and that she must start supplementing with formula. Definitely not the case. How, Molly, you're nodding your head. I got this from the doctor. Uh, He was concerned because our first one lost quite a bit of weight. I mean, just, you know, it wasn't more than 10%, but she lost it with, within the first few days we went home from the hospital. And he kept saying, you need to do so, you need to do formula, you need to do formula. I said, nope. And I said, okay, we come back in two weeks and she's still losing weight, then I will. And within a week, she was gaining weight again. And I went back and said, bye, we're not coming to you anymore. Because he forced, you know, he kept telling me, you need to give her formula. You need, and I said, why? He goes, well, because she needs to gain weight. I said, but my body's doing what it should be doing. My milk hasn't come in yet. I think it was, you know, second day she was born, or after she was born that we were there. And said, you know, let's give it some time. Let my body do what it needs to do. And I fought the doctor and he, we came back and he went, oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, and so you bring up a couple good points. So first of all, all babies lose weight after birth. And that's because colostrum that first day, the baby's only getting five to seven milliliters per feeding because their tummy is so tiny. And the goal of the first 24 to 48 hours is to expel all of that meconium. So it's just a little bit amount, but that colostrum is super jam-packed and is an awesome diuretic. So they need to have that colostrum. Secondly, which you kind of mentioned, Molly, fuller milk typically doesn't come in until about two to five days, and all depending on how long your labor was, what your epidural situ- situation looked like if you had one, if you had a cesarean. All of these things can kind of delay the, the um, time when your milk comes in. So babies are going to lose weight. But the main thing is, is when the milk supply comes in, that fuller milk supply, that's when baby's weight 
weight loss should plateau. And the other thing you mentioned, Molly, too, doctor kept saying formula, formula, formula. Well, supplementation doesn't necessarily mean formula. Um, moms can express milk. Um, she could use donor milk. She could get milk from a milk bank if that was something that was feasible for her. But formula is actually the last option for getting a baby's weight up because there are lots of other ways to do that without, um, without formula. And so, and the other thing is too, just because a baby's not gaining weight doesn't mean that mom's milk supply is low. Sometimes we're dealing with a baby having a transferring challenge. So even though mom's supply is great, sometimes babies are having a challenge getting that milk out. So it could be because of engorgement, could be tongue tie, which I know several of the moms in here have dealt with, um, difficult labor, different developmental challenges, stuff like that. So I think we just busted that one. Did anyone have anyone to add to anything you wanted to add to that? Um, I just wanted to say that was my experience, too, with um, the pediatricians and the, even the doctors in the NICU where my daughter was born, um, kind of talking about how, um, you know, she was losing weight or whatnot. And it felt very weird for me to come in and tell the, you know, the NICU doctor, um, doesn't she have two weeks <laughs> to get back to her birthday? Um, but, yeah, so it's interesting in the medical community that there's, there's not... Um, greater understanding about this yeah absolutely uh, well on my second for my second one she was in the NICU as well um and she didn't gain weight like she was at the steady I mean she was at I think six pounds she was born at five one and went up to six pounds and was there for like three or four weeks and for her she needs to have heart surgery so we needed to bulk her up so they did give us formula to put her on but I need, you know, I'm going to have to prick, pick your brain about what else to put on because yeah. I said no for the longest time. Sometimes what, um, for babies who have really, really early premature babies, like Riley was, um, so we're talking sign- like eight weeks early, um, they'll use a human milk fortifier. Right. And so that, all it does is just up the calories a little bit. So that can be helpful too. Um, and that's always an option. Um, it just depends on the type of formula and stuff like that, which clearly we'll yeah. have to talk about yeah. some other time. But, um, but that's a really good point. Um, Okay, so myth number three. Time to bust this one. Breastfeeding is going to be painful for the first two weeks. Just deal with it. Well, the fortunate thing is we actually just talked with Nancy Moorbacher about latching struggles. But before we get to that answer, I want to ask you ladies, did you, is this something that you heard that breastfeeding was going to be painful for the first two weeks? I actually never heard it. No, yeah. Everybody I talked to said that, you know, no problems, baby latched on right away. So when I experienced problems with my first one, I was like, what's wrong with me? Something's yeah. wrong because everybody <laughs> else said this is going to be great. My mom breastfed me. You know, my sister and I were twins. No problems. My sister-in-law, everybody kept saying, oh, it's no big deal. And I'm sitting here going, "I it hurts. Something's wrong. But there's something wrong with me because, you know. The mother so guilt had already totally. set in. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> how about you, Heather? Did you hear this one at all? Yeah, I definitely heard oh. it. And I think... I think there was a little bit of confusion on my end because I didn't understand that it was okay if it hurt that first minute when he first latched and, you know, I felt like he had to stretch my nipple, you know, way across the room. I felt like he was pulling it, you know, clear across the house. Um, And that was okay. And so everybody had said, you know, oh, it's going to be painful. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is okay. Um, And, but then I didn't realize that, um, you know, for some people when they hear that, they think that means it's going to, the whole process is going to be painful. Right. Um, And that's really where the, where the concern would be. But luckily we didn't have that. That's good. I was told by extended family that it would be really, really painful and whatnot. Um, In spite of the tongue tie, I had the shield and so I actually never felt um, pain unless they were latching without the shield so um, but I was told by some lactation consultants in the hospital that because I was fair skinned it would hurt more huh. do you know if that's I true heard that too. there's another myth <laughs> um, you know it's I and I have heard that as well um 
but I think it just depends on how sensitive you are. I mean, I have moms that I work with who um, have very, very sensitive nipples, even prior to getting pregnant. And so they said that they felt more tenderness um, last for longer, even though their kiddos had pretty decent latches and everything. And then I have other moms who said they didn't have a lot of nipple tenderness um, at any point. And so they actually felt that even though their kid, like they had some damage on their nipples and they're like, this isn't so bad. And I'm like, oh goodness, that <laughs> that's got to hurt. And they said, it, so there are women who have different sensitivities, but I haven't seen any, uh, any research yet that says, you know, women fair skin. I mean, think about the entire continent or the entire all those countries in Scandinavia and they have very very long breastfeeding you know duration so I somehow don't think that that's necessarily the case but I'm glad you brought that up um but to bust this myth so we just had Nancy Moorbacher on the show for the our last episode which um was about latching struggles and what she spoke about was that um it's very normal for breastfeeding to be for it to not necessarily hurt, but just pinch a little bit almost in the beginning as for the first week or two, um, just for that first minute or two. And that's just because babies are figuring out how to breastfeed. Um, once the milk starts to flow a little bit, they tend to relax their jaw a little bit. So rather than having the blanket statement that breastfeeding is going to hurt the first two weeks, um, I actually always like to tell the um, men and women in my class when they come and take the breastfeeding class together, um, explaining that, yes, it's going to be tender. I mean, this is the most stimulation that this one part of your body has probably ever ever gotten in a, a 24-hour period. <laughs> so um, you're going to be a little tender, but but it shouldn't hurt and it shouldn't be cracking. That's your body's way of telling you. you probably have someone take a look out of that. So, okay, myth number four. Newborns need to feed for 40 minutes every time, spending 20 minutes on each breast per feeding. Did anyone hear this in the hospital or in the birth center? Katie, did you hear this at all? I did. Um, well, or variations of it, just yeah. having different times, 15 on one side, 15 on the other, or let them go as long as they want on the first, or I'm sorry, the last. And um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure where that comes from. I don't either. That's <laughs> an, that's why we're going to bust it up. Bust it. <laughs> How about you, Heather? Yeah, I did hear that. Um, and, and that was part of my concern early on um, when I felt like he wasn't feeding long enough. You know, I'd, he'd get up in the middle of the night and I could tell he was so hungry and I was so tired. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, we got it. We're, we're going to be in this for the long haul. We're going to sit here, you know, it's 15 minutes each side. And he would latch for, you know, a couple minutes and then he seemed fine. And I felt like, well, you didn't eat long enough. And, you know, he was slightly jaundiced. And so we were worried about him gaining weight. And so I'm like, you need to eat more, you need to eat more. You know, I, I, I kind of worried about it. And I don't know why that number has come out. I, I hear it over and over again. I keep hearing 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And in my case, I mean, he usually can eat in like under 10 minutes. Yep. Like he's just in and out. And a lot of it's just flow. But um, yeah, it's weird. Exactly. How about you, Molly? I heard it. But my first one, she'd latch on for as long as you'd let her stay on each side. So I had, <laughs> I had to literally take her off from each side. Yeah. So yeah, I heard it. But it was... You know, more of, you know, take her off. Don't let her la go that long. Exactly. And, and Katie, you mentioned, you know, where did this number come from? I have no idea. I have no idea where those parameters came from. And so, you know, you think about adults eat a very different amount at dinner than we do at breakfast. So why is it we put these parameter parameters around our infants saying they must feed for either 15 on each side or 20 on each side? And so, you know, and 40 minutes of sleeping at the breast is not going to, you know, you, you're going to get more of 10 minutes of active sucking than 40 minutes of baby just snoozing the entire time. So really, you know, what I recommend is aiming for, you know, good 20 to 40 minutes or whatever of active sucking, but allowing that variation. Um, and then I always say, you know, it's, 
It's not that 20 minutes is magical. All of a sudden, one breast is going to be completely empty in 20 minutes. You better go to the other side by then. Instead, just try to give equal love to both breasts over a 24-hour period. So, you know, definitely offer both sides just because in the beginning, we're doing everything we can to really increase our supply and maximize our production. So we want as much breast stimulation as possible. But a lot of babies really... (laughs) We got a little choker in here. (laughs) But we do have... um, But a lot of babies will just feed mostly on one side and then so take dinner on one side and dessert on the other. And that's totally fine as well. But the main thing is just watch your baby. If your baby's snoozing through the entire feeding, then it doesn't matter how long they're on there. They're not doing a good job and or as effective job, I guess, as you know, I should say as as they could be if they were actually really actively sucking. So just trying to keep your baby awake, I think, is the most helpful. And then making sure both breasts get the same amount of stimulation throughout a 24 hour period. Okay, myth number five. So your baby should feed every two to three hours. If they feed more frequently, they aren't getting enough. Um, Molly, it sounds like you had your little kiddo yep. like to eat nonstop. So yeah. did uh, were you getting all the time that she wasn't getting enough? All the time, all the time from the doctors, from my mom, from everybody who's around. You know, my girlfriends who are going through the same thing. Oh, my needs every three hours. You you know you just not producing enough. So yeah. I and how were you producing? Um, she was getting a ton. She'd get <laughs> six, eight ounces, no problem. Dang. Yeah, so she she had no problem. <laughs> <laughs> How about you other ladies? Heather, did have, did you hear this one at all? Every two to three hours? Yeah, especially once um, he had been evaluated for having slight jaundice and he had lost, he had actually reached that full 10% that mm-hmm. he lost um, initially. And so then it was, you know, the pressure, okay, every hour and a half you need to be waking him up so he can eat every two hours. And initially that was probably the the good recommendation mm-hmm. while he was jaundiced. Um, but then it stuck and I felt like, oh my gosh, he's gone two hours and, he, and he's not awake and I need to get him up. And, um, y- you know, even now I think it's somewhat the opposite where now he eats fairly often sometimes every one to two hours and people are saying oh well he's two months old he needs to be spreading it out you're letting him eat too Mm -hmm. often and um I'm always like well he sleeps longer at night so I'll take it yeah exactly (laughs) and every baby's different that's the main thing that I think people don't take into consideration with this one exactly how about you Katie yeah I was told that as well um but for for me when my son would have really extended nursing sessions um, it was an indication that there was something off with this tongue tie because yep. he would stay abreast, fall asleep because he got tired. But then when I put him down, he'd wake up because he wasn't satisfied. So, um, so it can be in in my situation anyway. It was an indication that something was off. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to get back to really quickly what Heather said. When when we're talking about different situations, and actually Katie as well, that um, there's either a tongue tie, we're dealing with jaundice, then we do actually need some medical parameters, actually. So you need to wake your baby up a little bit more frequently. We need to check on your supply and all that kind of stuff and make sure that everything's going okay. Um, but then once those, when things gets resolved, like you said, Heather, a lot of moms don't realize that those parameters can be lifted. And so... Um, just because a baby's eating a little bit more frequently doesn't necessarily mean that they're not getting enough. So babies don't tell time. They just know when they're hungry. And so it's our job to just feed them. And so my recommendation is actually to aim for eight or more times in a 24-hour period because, and exactly kind of what you're describing, Heather, he cluster feeds during the day and then takes a nice chunk at night. And I agree with you. If I'd rather feed during daylight hours (laughs) and actually sleep more at night. And so typical baby behavior is actually feeding almost 
12 or more times in a 24-hour period. And that's because their tummies are small. So they need frequent smaller feedings. And especially babies who have reflux and tummy issues, they feed more frequently because it hurts if they get too much in their belly. And so it doesn't mean that your baby's not getting enough most of the time, unless there's, you know, unless there's a weight issue going on, then yes. But for the most part, eating more frequently is actually very normal infant behavior, um, which allows for cluster feeding and allows for growth spurts. And if any, you've all been through mm-hmm. your first and second <laughs> growth spurts, yeah. you know, around two weeks and around six weeks where babies are just nonstop hungry bears. And, um, and that's their job to just boost up your supply. So definitely not an indication that your baby's not getting enough. So, okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be discussing lots of other things like putting formula rice cereal in the bottle to help your baby sleep a little bit longer, as well as not letting your baby use you as a pacifier. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, so we're back and we are talking about infant breastfeeding myths and misconceptions. One of the most popular myths that we had posted on our Facebook page was that all breastfed babies need iron supplements. Um, this one's a little bit controversial, but I did do a lot of research so that way I could make sure that the information was as correct as possible. Ladies, have your pediatricians recommended that your exclusively breastfed or babies um, need iron supplements? Anyone heard this? Okay, so Katie Shake nodding her head yes. Okay, that was a recommendation for your older child as well? Not for my older child, so Just, different pediatricians, okay. different things. You did mention, though, that your younger child was premature. Yes. May I ask how, how premature she was? She was four weeks. Okay, all right, so we will be talking about that because that does play into effect. Heather, how about you? This is one I actually hadn't heard. Oh, okay. All right. How about you, Mom? I got it with Riley, who was premature, and my first one, no. Okay. Never heard it. All right. So your pediatricians actually have, they're they're in the loop right there. That's good. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about this. This is super controversial, not only between pediatricians and lactation consultants, but actually through the... American Academy of Pediatrics section on breastfeeding is actually really controversial with them as well because apparently the American Academy of Pediatrics recommended this across the board that all breastfed babies need iron supplements. The section on breastfeeding in the um, academy actually said that they never approved that to be released because they don't agree with it. And so what they pointed out was that supplementing babies, exclusively breastfed babies with iron drops starting at four months is inconsistent with previous recommendations and that there's really no supporting data for it. And um, they said that there are other ways to make sure that babies get all the iron they need, like delayed um, cord clamping at birth and screening at-risk infants only, not just supplementing across the board. And they said this was because breast milk's iron, although it's low, um, is more bioavailable than what would be found in iron-fortified fluids and foods. And so it's actually potentially harmful to give babies too much iron because their body doesn't know how to break it down. So that being said... 
Um, I, there was also a little bit more information about this. So exclusively breastfed babies actually have enough iron in their system until they are at least six months old or triple their birth weight, which a lot of babies don't even do until they're a year old. And um, and again, kind of going back to that it's more bioavailable, it's more readily absorbed. And so babies that get iron supplements who are not iron deficient can sometimes overwhelm the protein, um, which is called lactoferrin, causing an overgrowth of intestinal bacteria, which can result in diarrhea. So that being said, though, there are babies who actually do need iron supplements, and those are the ones that should be following these recommendations. So how would you know that your baby actually needs an iron supplement? Well, first thing, go and get them, you know, go and have a little blood test and you'll find it out very quickly. But the ones that are more high risk are ones that are born prematurely, since babies get the majority of their iron stores from their mother during the last trimester of pregnancy. So where your your babies obviously kind of fall into, because they were born, um, they were born at, at 36 weeks or below. So there's a chance that their iron levels, um, their stores might be a little low. Um, the other ones are babies whose birth weights were lower than 3,000 grams, which is about six and a half pounds. Um, they tend to have reduced iron stores at birth and appear, um, appear to need additional iron earlier on. Um, Babies born to mothers with poorly controlled diabetes can also need it. Um, and mothers who were anemic during pregnancy sometimes have lower stores. But this one, medical studies have not shown this to be a problem. But it might just be worth it to have your babies checked. Um, so, again, something to kind of look into, but it's something you can always ask your pediatrician and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with doing just straight across the board iron supplementation, but I'd love for you to excuse me, test my baby and see if it's appropriate for him or her. So busted that myth. All right. Next one up. If your baby doesn't spend 20 minutes on each breast per feeding, he or she won't get enough hind milk. Such a controversy around hind milk. Um, ladies, what have you heard about four milk, hind milk? And do you, had, were you ever stressed out about it? Molly, how about you? Um, Did you ever think about it at all? Not really, because she would breastfeed for as long as I'd let her on okay. each side. So I didn't really, I just kind of let her go do what she wanted to do. But I did hear that. I did hear that myth, but didn't worry about it. Okay. How about you, Heather? Um, I've heard it a little bit, not so much in relation to my son, but I have heard my friends talking about um, one of her, one of my friends, her son, um, the pediatrician said, you know, he was probably having, getting too much milk and not enough hind milk, and that's what was causing some stool issues, mm-hmm. and um, so, yeah, we had we had talked about that a little bit, but it, it's not something I've heard. That's good. That's good. How about you, Katie? Yeah, I was told, um, especially because I had an oversupply, that that would be an issue, um, and that my daughter's uh, bowels movements were green, <laughs> and yeah. that that was um, a reflection that she was getting uh, not enough hind milk. Well, and you both bring up very good points about there are symptoms of a four milk, hind milk imbalance. Um, I hear a lot of moms talking about it in the support group that their babies need to stay on for a certain amount of time or else they're not going to get any hind milk. And I think that um, it creates an unnecessary fear in them, like, what if my baby doesn't get enough hind milk? When there really are, we have to focus on, are there any symptoms? So that being said, all breast milk has hind milk in it and four milk. So as your baby starts drinking that first, you know, first couple gulps or whatever, the milk that's in the in the beginning is has a higher concentration of four milk, which is more watery, because as your breasts get fuller and fuller and fuller, they take on more water, which is the four milk. As your baby drains a little bit more, they get to more of that fattier milk. But 
every drop of breast milk has some sort of concentration of the foremilk and the hind milk. It's just how well the breast is drained. And so what you're looking at to not worry about foremilk, hind milk is, is your baby feeding eight or more times in a 24-hour period? Is he or she gaining weight, you know, about four to seven ounces per week? having several wet diapers, having lots of yellow poop diapers, um, and your breasts feel softer and more pliable when your baby after your baby feeds. And that what that's showing you is that baby's getting plenty and they're doing great. Um, when we're worried about four milk, hind milk, we look at certain symptoms, like you had mentioned, green frothy poop. That can often be a sign of four milk, hind milk imbalance, but it can also be a sign of food intolerances. Um, it can be a sign of baby just had a vaccination and so they have a little bit of diarrhea. Um, another symptom could be tons of gas. Um, and that's because when babies get ex an excess of milk um, that their little belly can't tolerate, it, the excess milk starts to ferment. Mm -hmm. And so that can be causing it too. So oftentimes we're seeing a four milk, hind milk imbalance with mothers, like Katie had mentioned, have an over supply. They have an abundant milk supply and babies having a hard time getting, when they take the milk in, there's a little bit of an imbalance. But for the general population to worry about this, it tends to be a little bit kind of unwarranted. So thank you though for sharing your ideas on that because you nailed it. There are times when you have to worry about it just a little bit. Um, okay, our next myth. <laughs> if you give your infant a little formula or rice cereal in a bottle before they go to bed, they will sleep a little longer at night. Um, did anyone hear this at all? Absolutely. Uh, yep. Nods, <laughs> nods, nods. All right, first of all, I want to know who you heard it from. Was this a person who was a generation ahead of us? and um, Or a doctor sometimes. Every once in a while we hear this. Um, and did you follow it? Katie. I heard it from my mother-in-law for sleep. Um, I heard it from the doctor for her reflex. Oh, okay, okay. Um, how about you, Heather? I heard it from someone in my same generation, but they had heard it from someone um, a little bit older. She has a baby the same age, and I said, you know, we happen to be both texting at 3 a.m. when we were both <laughs> awake. And um, she said, oh, well, you know, my my mom, my friend's mom or whoever had just said, maybe I should give her some, some rice cereal before bed, so I think I'm going to try that tomorrow. And I thought, mm, I don't know about that, but I kind of just let it go. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. All right, how about you, Mom? Same thing. I had a friend um, who told me that, and she'd heard it from somebody else, but also the doctor told us for Riley for the reflux. For reflux, but yeah, we never tried it. Yeah, we never. So two different two different w reasons why it would be recommended, and pediatricians tend to recommend it more for reflux issues rather than your baby should sleep longer at night. However, women who are a generation above us, this is what their doctors actually told them to help their kiddos sleep through the night at six weeks because that's wow. what they thought was appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So doing a little bit of research about this. Um, first kind of working with the it'll help them sleep at night um, there's actually no evidence that it will help whatsoever and some babies will actually sleep worse due to the reactions of the formula or solids in their tummy because um, it's uncomfortable it causes excess gas especially if they're under six months old and so the formula requires the baby's digestive system to work overtime which is why some babies who are strictly formula fed will will go longer but it's not necessarily going to happen if your baby's pretty much breastfed the rest of the time, and then you give a bottle of formula right before bed, probably just gonna end up with a whole bunch of tummy aches, which is gonna wake them up more frequently than if you just would have breastfed them. 
Um, as for adding feedings of the baby cereal in the bottle, and we hear this sometimes with babies with reflux, it's, it's a choking hazard. Um, the cereal takes away from the amount of milk in the bottle um, because it adds carbohydrates and dilutes the nutritional density of it. And so babies might not actually get the appropriate amount of milk for the proper development and growth. And um, babies being given a higher concentration of calories without being able to regulate their own intake, this can cause weight problems in the future. Um, and that whole thing with the reflux is actually very, very controversial. Um, and so there really aren't too many studies that show that it actually helped, but rather finding a way to manage the reflux by frequent, frequent small feedings to help kind of keep it in their bellies. Now, granted, there are some babies, there's always an exception to the rule. There are some babies who have very, very extensive GERD, um, which they should be working with a gastroenterologist and not just going straight for the rice cereal in the bottle. So we did the rice cereal in the bottle at the hospital and she had a feeding tube through her nose. And when they pulled it, I think like three weeks after they originally put it in, it was caked with <gasps> rice cereal because she was refluxing it back up and causing her not to breathe and having other issues. Oh my gosh. So oh like my after that, we said, there's no way you're putting rice cereal. I mean, because she was still refluxing and it was just, it, you know, since the rice cereal was in there, it was just causing it to, I mean, it, it formed a cast. It was solid, hard. Oh my gosh. And you could tell she was having problems breathing and they pulled it and it was just caked to the no back of it. So way. Yeah. And, and that it, was in the NICU? That was in the NICU. And so we figured, okay, ah. any more times, any times we hear anybody say anything about putting rice cereal and then we're gonna say don't do it yeah I mean, absolutely because we had so many other complications on top of it oh my goodness well and the other thing to mention too is that rice cereal we've my kids are a little bit older so everyone just said that's the first food that's the first food and now there's this whole philosophy which um I, I really like actually and it's getting rid of white food and so rice cereal is not even necessarily a recommended first food for babies they actually don't need it you can start with fun stuff like avocados and vegetables and stuff like that so putting rice cereal in the bottle especially when they're younger um, that it's not really nutritionally beneficial for them in any way so um, all right next myth infants should sleep through the night at six weeks um, <laughs> and some, well, and if you go back to um, the baby wise method, which a lot of moms do um, do follow, it says that you should start putting your baby on a feeding schedule at about every two and a half to four hours, starting at um, a week or ten days. And so, yeah, um, and so really not taking into account. Um, baby's developmental needs for waking up. And so for, I wanted to throw it out there if anyone had actually heard this, um, babies should be sleeping through the night, and then we'll talk about what's developmentally appropriate. Ladies, did you hear this at all? I heard it friends from friends who had read Baby Wise and who were doing it, because mine never slept through the night. <laughs> <laughs> Still has a hard time doing it. Yeah. But yeah, I heard it from friends. Okay, how about you guys? Um, I never heard that specifically, but I do feel like everyone asks you, are, so are they sleeping through the night yet? And you're like, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Whose baby is? Yeah. Um, so not necessarily that they said they should, but you'd be like, no, but they're doing good. And you could see on their face, they're kind of like disappointed. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you're doing something wrong or something. Right. Right. Yeah, MJ, yeah. totally. How about you, Katie? I've heard, um, oh, your baby's got their nights and days mixed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frequently. Yeah. And that's really common in the beginning um, for the first couple 
couple weeks because their circadian rhythm ha- is not actually developmentally working at that point yet. Um, and so they do have their days and nights mixed up, which is why the minute when you're, preg- when you're pregnant and the minute you lay down, they start having a soccer match in your belly. <laughs> um, and so, and if you're sunny, both of your babies are having soccer <laughs> matches. <laughs> but um, so this is the deal um, about sleep duration. So this is from um, the Secrets of Baby Behavior website. If you don't know about this website, it is one of the best resources out there. Um, and it's because um, it's through the Un- um, University of California Davis, and they actually have a lactation department. It's a lactation and nutrition department. And so they have been studying this for about a decade now. They got a whole bunch of grants to work with um, WIC moms to talk about and study infant behavior, um, sleep patterns, eating patterns, all of this kind of stuff. So what came out of their research was that newborns from like birth to six weeks wake frequently and erratically. So what worked for you last night may not work for you this night, and that's okay. And so parents of newborns have to be really realistic, prepared, and ask for help if they need it because their babies are really going to be all over the place with sleeping. By two months, most babies are sleeping longer stretches, but waking two to three times during the night. So longer stretches mean, I'm sure you all notice this, they sleep from like 8 to 1, <laughs> 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., and then they start waking up every, you know, every couple months, or every couple <laughs> every couple hours. Um, by four months, many babies start to sleep more like their parents, so falling asleep into a deeper sleep and then sleeping for about four to five hours at once, um, but then teething, changing routines, all that kind of stuff can wake them intermittently as well. By six months, some babies will be sleeping for about six hours at a time, while others are still waking more frequently, and though not every night. And so they're really unpredictable, and that's okay. Um, so by, 80, by a year old, most babies are sleeping through the night. Now, this is the thing, though. Do you want to know what sleeping through the night definition say, is? I was clarify, yeah. That's six hours of continuous sleep. Okay. So... Knowing that, that this is studied, and this is from their research, and it's developmentally appropriate, there's no way we can ask these little kiddos to sleep. And if they do, that's okay. If, if your kiddo, at, you know, sometimes all of moms say that at two months, their kiddos were sleeping for about eight-hour stretches. You don't have to wake them up. But then what they do say about three months, four months, they started waking up a little bit more. And it's developmentally appropriate. So they got to do it. They got to eat. And the reasons why babies wake up in the middle of the night, young babies especially, to eat frequently. Remember, their tummies are small, so they have to eat frequently. They dream a lot. So you'll notice when your infant falls asleep on you, their eyes are are moving around and their lips are smacking and they're smiling um, and that's because they fall asleep dreaming so it takes about 20 minutes for them actually to fall into a deep sleep until they're about four months old so if you have your baby fall asleep on you and then five minutes later you transfer them to you know wherever they're going to sleep they wake up so best <laughs> advice hold them for about 20 minutes until like the dog could bark and they don't even move and right. then that's a good time to transition them and so and waking help keeps them safe and comfortable and it also prevents SIDS so we want them to wake up um, okay so another myth we have is that um, don't let your baby use you as a pacifier because it will turn him into a snacker. How many of you have heard this, that your baby shouldn't be on the boob at all times? MJ, you're raising your hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who yeah, told you actually, that? Actually, um, probably everybody that I inter- encountered because they, they had no idea. You know, I had a low supply issue, so it was actually really good <laughs> for my baby to be on the breast all the time, and that's exactly the way that he was. It was d- throughout the day, uh, naps, 
nighttime, I mean, for the first three months, and I thought something was wrong. Like, I would hand him to my husband and be like, and call my midwife and say, he's been nursing nonstop, you know, and we figured out that it was low supply and started supplementing, but still, he just wanted to be on the boob. And it actually was really beneficial for my supply because we're still nursing and he's 25 months old. Yeah, so exactly. All right, how about you ladies? I got that. Pacifier? Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I let her do it. I just, I didn't really care. I let her do it. I enjoyed it. And she's, she's fine. Yeah. (laughs) She's perfectly fine. (laughs) How about you, Heather? Have you heard that shouldn't let him snack all the time? Um, I've heard it a little bit now that he's getting older. He's two months old and people have said, you know, especially if I'm like with family or in a group setting and he eats and everybody plays with him for a few minutes and then he wants to eat again. And they're like, no way. He shouldn't be eating again. It's only been an hour. I'm like, well, it's what he wants. You know, and it, it comes back to the whole thing that every baby's, every baby's different. But yeah, people will tell you they shouldn't snack. They shouldn't, they mm-hmm. should have two hours or three hours. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> exactly. How about you, Katie? Um, I don't know if this is just because my kids were tongue-tied, but I would let them use me as a pacifier until it started to hurt too bad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the non-nutritive sucking, you know, I could only take it for so long, and then my nipples would blanch and all that fun stuff. Exactly. So really good point um, to bring up. So, and like Heather, you've mentioned several times, every baby's different. So we have to kind there can't be these blanket statements. So going back to that, you know, you shouldn't let your baby use you as a pacifier. There's always that caveat. So if your baby is comfortable and feeding on you and it's not hurting you, then rather than thinking of as your boob as a pacifier, I think we should kind of reframe our thoughts. Well, pacifier is a boobs, you know, replacement. It's a fake boob. Um, Babies, you know, they like to suck. And so if it's comfortable, then why not keep them on there? Because breastfeeding isn't just about feeding. It's about security. It's about comfort. And it releases oxytocin. So even during those non nutritive um, sucking times. And Molly, you've mentioned that Riley spends time there just kind of licking around, just kind of getting to her happy place there, but she's not necessarily breastfeeding right now. It's still releasing oxytocin to help increase when you're doing all that pumping. Um, And so obviously we don't want one feeding running into the next. And, you know, at some point you, you know, mom will choose that, okay, it's time to cut you off a little bit. Um, But, you know, just having that statement that babies can't use the breast as a pacifier, which actually, if you think about it, pacifying is to soothe. It's to calm. And so that's not a bad thing. That's actually kind of absurd to say that they can't use it that way. And mom and baby should determine when babies should detach. So in times of pain, (laughs) mom needs to go to the bathroom, you know, all of these things. Or baby's been on there for about an hour and they're not really doing anything. And, you know, and you kind of you want to get out and go do something. Then, of course, detach your baby. But the main thing is don't baby sitting there kind of hanging out on there. It's not a bad thing. It's, you know, it's totally fine as long as mom is fine with it too. We should always leave that in there. So, all right. Well, I just want to say thank you to our panelists. We so appreciate all of your opinions and sharing how you actually have pretty much all dealt with most of these myths. So thank you for joining us in this conversation about infant breastfeeding myths and misconceptions. And for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of the show as we will discuss the myth that dads or partners are going to feel left out if they are not part of the bottle feeding duty. So uh, for more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's a question from one of our listeners. This is from Lori Flower, and um, her very brief message is, is there a way to join all three clubs at once? Hey, Lori, this is Sunny. I'm one of the producers for The Boob Group, and thanks so much for your comment. So you want to know if you can join all three clubs at once. The short answer is no. <laughs> I wish there was a way you could do that. The majority of our listeners are, are more specific as to the type of content they're looking for, and we find that they transition from one show to the next. But you're right. There is definitely the possibility for listeners to be interested in more than one of our shows. So I do have some good news for you. If you want to join more than one club, let's say you're already a member of the Boob Group, but you want to listen and become a member of Parent Savers as well, you can use this code. It's SAVE50, S-A-V-E-5-0, no spaces or anything like that. If you use that code when going through the membership process, you will save 50% on your purchase for that second club or third club if you want to do it that way as well. So there's no way to sign up for all three at once, but hopefully we can save you a little bit of money in the process if you're interested in more than one of our shows. Thanks again, Lori. This wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, and our show, Parent Savers, for moms, dad, moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.